are Locked On Pelicans, your daily New Orleans Pelicans podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to another edition of Locked On Pelicans, the daily podcast covering your favorite team, the New Orleans Pelicans in NBA, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day, available wherever you get your podcasts. I'm your host, Pelicans Insider, credential member of the media, Jake Madison, at Nola Jake on Twitter. Here with y'all on this Thursday, we're going to continue kind of the little mini rebuild series that we're doing here covering the New Orleans Pelicans yesterday. And if you haven't listened to it, please go give a listen to this episode. How can the Pelicans be like the Atlanta Hawks? The Hawks, who made a kind of miracle run to an extent to the conference finals, took two games off the Milwaukee Bucks in Trey Young's third year, and they look like they're a team here to stay, assuming ownership pays. So how can the Pelicans not just get into the playoffs, but build a winner and go deep into the playoffs, not just into the uh, the, the play-in tournament, but far into the playoffs and show Zion, hey, we're having some success. We're set up for the future. This is where you want to be. And maybe send a message to other free agents around the league too, or the next maybe disgruntled superstar. So we looked at the Atlanta Hawks, how they did it. Let's look at one of the teams in the NBA Finals, the Phoenix Suns, the surprising Phoenix Suns, right? They weren't even in the playoffs a year ago. They haven't been in the playoffs for 10 years. So let's take a look at how how they got back into contention and look to be on the verge of winning an NBA title up 1-0 over the Milwaukee Bucks. But before we get to all that, today's episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra at only 2.6 carbs and 95 calories. It's only worth it if you enjoy it. Stay tuned for the Ultra Moment segment coming up later in the episode. So the Phoenix Suns, they have not been good for a decade, pretty much. Yet they went 51, they won 51 games here uh, this past season in the NBA. They had the second best record in the Western Conference, 51 and 21. This is a season after they missed the playoffs where they were Showing some promise in the bubble, but that was it. They still finished 34 and 39. Two years ago, this team was 19 and 63. They have not been good at all for a really long time. Yet this turnaround happened kind of fast, really over a two-year stretch. So what did they do? We'll get into all of that. So first and foremost, similar to the Atlanta Hawks, similar to New Orleans, they have their star player. It's Devin Booker. A guy who is one of the best scorers in the league. Just like the Hawks have Trey Young, you've got Devin Booker who is just straight up instant offense. The dude kind of does it all. From there, it's them been been trying to find the right pieces to put around him. They've had five head coaches during Booker's time in the league, but they finally started to get some stability. They hired James Jones to run the team in 2019-2020. He hired Monty Williams. You got some stability in the front office, a front office with a vision similar to the Atlanta Hawks. You're going to start to see some themes, and we'll really dive into those in the third segment of today's show and show you how the Pelicans can learn from some some of those themes, but they've tried different pieces. None of it really worked. They finally came to a unified vision of what to build around Devin Booker. They got stability in a head coach who was good, who grew from his past mistakes because look again, and I've said this before, he deserved to be fired by the Pelicans. They needed to move on. He needed to have that experience uh, of failure to learn what kind of not to do and to what do, to do differently when he was in Phoenix. 
It's all worked out incredibly, incredibly well for him. I'm thrilled about it, but it was the right move by New Orleans. But he's still a good head coach. He relates to the players. He see, When you watch this Phoenix Suns team, it jumps off the screen at you how well coached they are. They just know what they're doing. They're well prepared. They have a good assistant coaching staff there too, particularly maybe in Willie Green. So they've done... A number of things, well, and look, they turned it around. This Suns team probably isn't quite the rags-to-riches story that we saw this year. They went 8-0 in the bubble last year. They started their run of really good play during that time, and they only made the right moves this past offseason to kind of take them to the next level. And I do wonder if last year, where they were under 500, that's a bit of a, a, a mirage to a degree. They lost DeAndre Ayton, who's their second best player, kind of that the, the Brandon Ingram role to Devin Booker, a, a big man who's a roller to the rim, among other things, but complements the star player incredibly, incredibly well, just like I think Brandon Ingram complements Zion Williamson incredibly well. But they lost him due to 25 games due to a league suspension for PEDs or whatever it was, banned substances, doesn't matter. They probably didn't do as well as they could have or built some of the chemistry and cohesion that they could have during that stretch because he was out. Then he comes back. You got to reintegrate him. You lose a bunch of games because of it. You start to peak at the right time during the bubble. That's, I think, what they did. So it makes a little bit of sense that maybe their record last season should have been better if you didn't lose him for that time. But they did. And now it looks like this miraculous jump into the NBA Finals where they're up at the time of me recording this 1-0 and beating the Bucks by 15 points the other night. Pretty damn good overall, I think, for a team that hasn't been into the playoffs in a decade. So New Orleans hasn't had a ton of success. What did Phoenix do right? And then what can we learn from that and maybe see this front office in New Orleans applied to get have similar kind of success? Go from not being in the playoffs to a deep run into the playoffs. And we'll talk about all of that coming up here next in today's edition of Locked on Pelicans. But before we do that, it's time for the Michelob Ultra moment from the playoffs. Look, this is something that just makes you kind of happy, right? Joy, happiness, enjoyment. Those are all the things we look for in the Michelob Ultra moment or player of the week whenever we do one of these segments. It came for me in the NBA Finals in game one. You had Giannis playing in this despite being very clearly hampered in some movements, particularly lateral movements, things like that. But he had just a highlight-worthy block in that game. Chase down block on one of the Phoenix Suns players from behind. Swatted it, hits the backboard. It's similar to that LeBron James block, the love block from the NBA Finals against the Golden State Warriors on Andre Iguodala from a couple of years ago that really started to turn some things around. This is a dude who's wanted to be in the Finals so Badly. They haven't had the playoff success that he's wanted in Milwaukee, but they finally get it this year. He hyperextended his knee in what looked like a disastrous injury. He comes back after rehabbing it for like days straight to make the return in this one. There's no way he wasn't going to play. He wanted to enjoy this moment, to soak up this moment and try and help his team win. The Bucks didn't play well, but they have a lot of things they can work in and a lot of things that were easy to fix. And I think game two tonight should be a whole lot different. And Giannis is going to be a big, big reason why. So you've got to enjoy these moments out there. And Giannis clearly is trying to do that. And as Michelob Ultra says, it's only worth it if you enjoy it. And at only 2.6 carbs and 95 calories, joy creates success and enjoyment isn't the end game. It's the whole game. We can all enjoy a Michelob Ultra this season as we watch the really fun playoffs and hopefully continue to be really fun. NBA Finals. 
So we are talking about the Phoenix Suns and how the Pelicans can try and emulate that success. How do they go from being out of the playoffs to in the playoffs? So let's look at not just where the Phoenix Suns were, which is what we talked about in the first segment, but how they've done it. And it starts with a vision, a plan. Again, similar to the Atlanta Hawks. There's there's themes to this. You're going to start to see it. Early on, they identified that Booker is not a pure time point guard. He's not going to fill that role full time. You need him to have someone to kind of handle the rock alongside him. They tried it with Ricky Rubio last year, and it was a moderate success. But they realized they could do even better, and they moved for Chris Paul. And look, Chris Paul is the point god, right? We know what he's capable of doing, but it still needed him to kind of take him to the next level, but he fits in perfectly with what they're doing. Fit, 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 fit is a big, big theme you're going to see here. He fits in perfectly with a big man roller like DeAndre Ayton is the pick and roll between those two and it tore the bucks up in game one perfect the two-man game between him and Devin Booker great all of that seems to work really really well they knew they needed someone to bring the ball up the court not always in Devin Booker's hands Chris Paul was the perfect kind of compliment and look similar to the Hawks they haven't drafted for upside. They've drafted for fit and gone after the guy they want. And you can go back to the draft where they took where they had the 6 pick. They made a trade at the time that was widely widely panned. I even panned it. Um and I remember being on the radio being like I hate that pick for them. They took this guy way too early. We're all eating crow on that. They had the 6 pick. They traded it to the Philadelphia, I forget who it was. They traded it to uh, for Dario Sarch and number 11. So they traded back while also bringing Sarch. And they took Cam Johnson, who was a guy with very limited upside. He was a shooter. He was older. That was about it. He had good size, but he was kind of a one-dimensional player. Didn't pass the ball well. Didn't rebound well. You know, didn't do anything other than just kind of shoot. But the Suns didn't care. This was a guy they thought of very highly. They had scouted him well. They knew Johnson would be able to contribute sooner rather than later, sooner than Jared Culver. Culver might end up the better prospect. They did this trade with Minnesota. And they didn't care. They wanted to win right now to get back into the playoffs. They valued that more than having a guy that could be a star in six years. And they went out and they got that guy. And you know what? Cameron Johnson really helped them in the bubble. Averaging 13 points, helping them go 8-0. He's a guy that's a shooter for this team that plays a key role off the bench, spacing the court for their big guy in DeAndre Ayton, giving Devin Booker and Chris Paul space to operate too. It worked out for him. They're the ones that won that trade, not the other way around. They knew he could contribute. They liked his size. They wanted to go out and get that guy because they knew this would be a draft uh, pick that they hit on. And it wasn't a miss. And it really, really worked out. They also kind of identified a couple of other guys. You know, shooters with size is something that they've really tried to prioritize. Something the Atlanta Hawks also really tried to prioritize. Wing shooters with size. They traded Zaire Smith and a future first-round pick, and Zaire Smith was a first-round pick in that draft, for Mikel Bridges with the Philadelphia 76ers. Bridges, who's a little bit older, played three years at Villanova. They wanted just a 3-and-D wing that didn't have the highest, highest upside to be an all-star or anything like that. You know what? It worked out. Smith didn't play in the NBA even though he's uh, last season, even though he's younger than Bridges. There's some injuries and other stuff going on there. But the Suns knew that, that Bridges would be able to contribute right away and fit what they were building. Fit. I'll say it again. Fit, 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 fit for a team that's ready to try and compete and get into the playoffs. Not upside. Fit. 
They knew Bridges would be great as a fourth guy, fifth guy on the uh, on the team as a starter. It worked out. He's key for them in the playoffs. And then the final thing, similar to what the Hawks did, useful veteran players. Jay Crowder, defense, maybe some shooting and size on the wing. It's really all he gives you. It's not a ton, right? But it allows a guy like Bridges to not have to be out there in too big of a role early on, to develop a little bit more. Same for guys like Cam Johnson. You have some defensive cover for him in Jay Crowder. Crowder was 0 for 9, I think, in game 1. 0 for 5 from 3, 0 for 4 from 3. He finished with one point on the night. He was plus 19, highest on the team. His defense was outstanding on the perimeter. Old guy, they might have overpaid a little bit for him, but it fit what they were doing. You know, that's kind of the big thing that you see it fit. I'm going to keep like hammering this point home. And then, of course, you have other things like campaign, rehabbing his game, finding the right role, role players that know what they're supposed to do. Spark plug score off the bench, get downhill and relentlessly attack the defense to open things up a little bit more. It works. You know, they have their two stars. DeAndre Eaton is kind of an all-world big without a three-point shot, but he's good in the mid-range, good enough. He can get to the basket and score. He's a great rim runner and roller. He gives you defense on that side. Bit of a freak. And they have Devin Booker, and they put the right pieces around him. Similar to what the Pelicans need to do around Zion Williamson and Brandon Ingram. And then you have Monty, who at this point, I was wrong. He should have been coach of the year, not Tom Thibodeau. It should have been Monty Williams. This team is so well-coached, they're willing to adapt, they're willing to make changes, they're willing to make adjustments, they're not rooted in one thing. They played fast in game one against the Milwaukee Bucks, and they kept trying to push that. They were the fifth slowest team in the regular season, but they realized they needed to get in transition and saw opportunities to get in transition against this Bucks team, and they went out and they did it, and it paid off with a 15-point win. That's how they became this really good team. Team that doesn't look like they're going to go anywhere next year, right? Assuming that Chris Paul stays there, which we can rule that out for the third segment. It's not going to be bringing Chris Paul because he's going to end up staying there, I think. So overall, this has been a really kind of simple-ish rebuild. They had the star guys. They did what they, they got complimentary pieces to them, not get another star. And it got them into a deep playoff run. And now they're in the NBA Finals and up 1-0 on Giannis and the Milwaukee Bucks. They're up 1-0 on the two-time MVP. It's pretty pretty damn impressive. So we'll get into coming up next. What do the Pelicans need to do to kind of follow this model? Are there? Sp- and we'll give you some specific moves and things like that too. I want to get a little bit deeper into that than I did with the Hawks um, breakdown the other day. But I think both of these rebuilds are somewhat similar and something the Pelicans really need to take a lot of cues from. But before we do that, this episode is brought to you by rockauto.com. With the ever-increasing numbers of makes and models out there, it's impossible for your local chain auto parts store to stock all the parts you need. You don't want to endure just pointless questions. Is your is your Honda Odyssey an, an LX or an EX? You don't know. You also probably don't care. You just want the part that fits because you're trying to keep your car running because it's way too expensive right now. You're going to be paying over MSRP if you try and buy a new car. And used car prices... Like through the roof, I've been following that because I like the auto industry. You don't want to get into that game at all. You have access to computers with rockauto.com on them at home and in your pocket on your phone. Save time and money when using rockauto.com. Do not choose to spend 30, 50, 100% more for the same parts from a chain store or a car dealership. 
RockAuto.com is a family business serving do-it-yourselfers for over 20 years, and their prices are always reliably low for every single customer. Everything you could need. Change your brake pads out there so you can brake on time. Keep your air conditioning running because it is unbelievably hot here in New Orleans. You don't want it to overheat either and then just kill your car anymore. You need a new radiator? You can get all of that. Just new coolant? Fluids, things like that. They've got it all for cheaper than you could get at any of those chain stores over at rockauto.com. So go explore the easy to use website today to find the solution to your auto parts needs. So go to rockauto.com right now and see all the parts available for your car or truck, right? Locked on in there. How did you hear about us box? So they know we sent you amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need rockauto.com. Okay. So we've gone over the Phoenix Suns rebuild, the team that is in the NBA Finals and up 1-0 over the Milwaukee Bucks. And by the way, don't forget our Road to the Finals coverage here, which we're kind of talking all day today with the Phoenix Suns, is brought to you by Michelob Ultra. It's only worth it if you enjoy it in 2.6 carbs and 95 calories. We can all enjoy the games a little bit more this season. Suns are really good example. You know, they got tired of not being in the playoffs. They got tired of maybe Devin Booker getting a little bit frustrated and wanting out after six years and no success. So they said, we're, we're going to go for it. They kind of pushed, pushed the chips in, right? And we're going to talk about the Milwaukee Bucks tomorrow. They kind of pushed their chips in too. They wanted to have success and to start building something. They know these guys don't stick around forever. Eventually, you've just got to go for it. Similar situation to what I think is going on with the Pelicans. Their timeline might be shorter because of the Zion Williams and stuff. And we've heard the rumored unhappiness. And I can tell you, it's all real. We've talked about the qualifying offer with him. We'd like to avoid a situation like that. What better way to show him that he should be here in New Orleans than going for it and showing him that this can be continued because you have the right role players in place around your core, core guys. So how do you... Emulate what the Phoenix Suns did. There's a couple of themes we've seen from the Suns and now the, from the Hawks and now the Suns, I think. Wing shooters with size. Wing shooters with size. Guys that shoot the three ball well, that are between 6'6 six, six and 6'9, six, that have great big wingspans out there on the court, that can cover multiple positions, that let you hide defenders. These guys are not amazing defenders, but their size and their length, and again, the wingspans kind of make up for a little bit and give you some switchability, positional versatility, all of that's important. Wing shooters with size. Useful vets that fill their roles well. Campaign who's on his way being out of the league till they find the right role for him and let him succeed in that. Jay Crowder, that veteran guy that you just kind of need and you know what he's going to give you and is a really useful dude, right? Bells have tried that. They tried to bring in J.J. Redick to kind of fill part of that role. It's not a wing shooter with size, but he's a wing shooter, guard shooter, right? Court spacer. You need a little bit more than being that one dimensional. The size aspect, I think, of being a shooter is really important for both of these teams. Let's you hide some of those weaker defensive guards, other defensive players that can be potential liabilities. So wing shooters with size, role players that are just kind of perfect for what they're doing. Maybe Steven Adams, maybe not. I don't think that's exactly what they need. Again, Eric Bledsoe sounded in theory great. Defensive backcourt guy just didn't work out. Pels Tooks had some swings and misses on that front, but at least they had the right idea of what those players in theory and in a perfect world really did. But then it's nailing the draft, going after the guy that's the best fit that's going to help you right away. 10, are you going to go for upside in Shengun? Are you going to draft Corey Kispert? And I'm not trying to overly sell you on Corey Kispert here, right? 
He just kind of makes the most sense. His upside isn't huge. It's not huge. But he's going to be a solid guy that's going to help next season, the season after that, the season after that. And he'll have a fine NBA career. He's going to have a fine NBA career. Maybe that's just what you need. You don't need to hit on a third star alongside Zion and Brandon Ingram right now. The league is more built to a degree around duos than it is around three, like a big three like we saw in Miami. Get your two guys, get your third kind of middle tier guy, two and a half, whatever it is, right? That's what a lot of teams are doing. Then fill out the roster around those guys. Like Kisper just makes sense. Just seems to make a whole lot of sense. Are you know, and he's going to be a hit. That's not a guy that you need to worry of flaming out of the league. We've seen it. It didn't work out with Zaire Smith. You know, it, jury's still out on Jarrett Culver. Meanwhile, Cam Johnson's playing significant minutes in the NBA Finals. You know, if the Pelicans didn't have their star players, I'd be saying draft upside. But they do. They just don't need to go for that. You just need quality NBA guys. Look, the Pels also need a point guard. If you want to really draw parallels between the Suns and the New Orleans Pelicans, you're not going to get Chris Paul here. What about Kyle Lowry? What about a guy like that who would be able to make an impact right away? Helps you offensively, helps you defensively. Would it be worth clearing some cap space, moving off of guys like Steven Adams, maybe trading first round picks away with Steven Adams just to clear cap space to go and get Kyle Lowry? If he wants out of Toronto, wants to do something differently, doesn't think he can really win a title there. Makes kind of sense in a vacuum. Not as good as Chris Ball, but he fills a lot of kind of that same role. Adds a ball handler that is a point guard, not like Lonzo Ball. It's a good enough three-point shooter. He's stout defensively. He can organize a team. There, there seems to be a little bit of a parallel there, I think. And maybe that's what New Orleans needs to add. Useful vets. Guys like Doug McDermott. They're not sexy names, right? But they're guys who are going to be able to plug in some of the gaps. Take up quality minutes while some of your younger guys... Maybe you need to develop a little bit more. Maybe the Pelicans trade back into the first round, knowing that they can get a guy like Chris Dwartway or uh, Trey Mann, guys they like and want to try and kind of grow and ones that you know might be able to contribute right away. Dwarte is going to be able to shoot right away and play some of that spark plug scorer off the bench, I think. He's pretty good at getting downhill. He's a good three-point shooter. He kind of fits that campaign kind of role. And you already have a... DeAndre Ayton light-ish guy in Jackson Hayes. He's shown some good rim protection. He's a freak of nature athlete who's unbelievable rolling at the rim. Your offense is in Zion, like it is for Devin, uh, the Suns with Devin Booker. You've got your complimentary piece in B.I. You've got a roll man. You could add some wing shooting, si- wing shooters with size, some guards that get downhill and attacking, and a point guard. You can do all of that this offseason. You have all the pieces to do this. You... I'm not saying it's going to get you into the NBA Finals, but that should get you into the playoffs. Useful rookies and young guys that can contribute right away, that are role players that know their roles, understand their roles, and are allowed to succeed in their roles. Build around Zion and B.I. Do you need to have a huge upside hit at 10? Probably not. Not for where they are in kind of the urgency that this team has right now. So again, there's themes. Useful veteran players. Hitting on your draft picks and drafting for fit instead of pure upside. And then wing shooters with size. Prioritize that like over any anything else. I think that's good too. Look, the Pels have the basic parts right in Zion and BI. They have some of those complementary players starting to grow up. Nikhil Alexander-Walker, Jackson Hayes. All of that's great. 
but you've got to start to take it to the next level because you there is a bit of a clock ticking around Zion Williamson. Kyle Lowry makes sense. Corey Kispert or some of the other guys around there makes sense. Trade back into the first round. Get one of those other guys that I think can contribute right away. And you have the combination of something that's built not just for next season, but a couple of seasons after that too. And then you figure the other stuff out later down the line. But there's, again, talking about this, about the Hawks, the Suns, tomorrow will do the Milwaukee Bucks, makes me a little bit more optimistic about what the Pelicans can do this offseason to kind of right the ship after the disastrous past year that they just had. All right, that's going to do it for this edition of Locked on Pelicans. I do want to mention we have the ultimate mock draft 2021 coming up starting July 19th, presented by Locked on and Odyssey, featuring analysis from the GOAT of NBA mock drafts, Chad Ford, the Odyssey NBA draft experts, Brian Scalabrini, and former general manager of the Phoenix Suns, Ryan McDonough. Our Locked on NBA local experts will make selections and trades for your favorite basketball teams throughout this week-long special event. Search the ultimate mock draft 2021 on the new Odyssey app, or wherever you get your podcast. Odyssey is your audio home for all the sports, podcast, music, and news that matter to you. That's Odyssey, A-U-D-A-C-Y. Thank you all very much for listening. Don't forget to subscribe to the show wherever you get your podcasts from, and please subscribe on YouTube. Just search Lockdown Pels or check my Twitter, at Nola Jake, to, to find that link. As always, I'm your host, Jake Madison, at Nola Jake on Twitter. I'll be back with you all tomorrow to wrap up the week.